0: Jacob, I have a question. Next week is spring break. Working or actually taking a break? That's what oh, I want to know. Oh my
1: God. Uh, I feel <laughs> 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 like that's always the question. Is Chastain going to work <clears throat> or is he going to relax? You know,
0: well, that's I mean, always my question.
1: Yeah. Well, here's the thing uh, I, I think it's a perfect storm of. Honestly, finding out for myself because, you know, Rightfully Empowered came out on the 4th. Uh, Leading up to that was prepping all this book launch stuff. During it has been all this book launch stuff. I've had something to do for the book launch pretty much every day. You know, small stuff, big stuff. I went on a few shows. Uh, I did all of this other stuff. We had the launch at our school with the kids, which had a promo video, too. So we had to edit all of that um, on top of just everything else, teaching and running two podcasts and doing everything else. And so I have a week coming up where I don't have to technically do anything, but I also it's one of those times where it's like, man, I could really knock out some stuff, right? And I could get some word count on Crafting draft going, <laughs> uh, there's, there's always a project to start that I could do. There's stuff like, you know, catching up on emails that I really need to do. There's people that have reached out. Um, I'll be, I'll be podcasting a little bit. I have a, a big guest coming on, but so the, the answer is I will probably rest quite a bit, but. You know, you can never give me that much time off and expect me not to to do something. We'll be doing our... That's when we were be recording our bonus episode for Craft and Draft. So we'll be working a little bit together, mm-hmm. uh, you know, hitting up that Patreon and, and trying to make that, you know, as as uh, lucrative as possible for everyone involved. So I don't know. The question is up in the air, Miss Ochoa. I don't have a definite answer. There's no official plans other than catch up. But I know myself too well to say that I'm going to do nothing.
0: Well, I thought maybe you'd have a vacation or, <laughs> you know, finally go somewhere.
1: You know, what's funny about that is my wife is actually planning vacations. We we don't, we've gone really? you know, we go to the beach every once in a while. Like, you know, we we'll drive over to Galveston or something and, you know, and we get bored. We can only be there for a few days and we're like, let's go home. And, you know, I miss just like my stuff and I'm not really a vacation type of person. But there's a couple... Events that uh, she's wanting to go to. There's this huge concert happening in Vegas that she wants us to go. So I've never been to Vegas. She has, so uh, she wants to go there. Um, and then a be another beach vacation that she's wanting to do as well. So I have two coming up oh my. Uh, this year, which is really rare for me. Um, I I didn't encourage any of these. This is really all her. So I'm. <laughs> I even I remember the last time we went to the beach was when Teach Me Teacher was coming out. So I was I was literally working on edits at the beach. So I was I was working even while I was there. It was a nice view though. So I don't know, I'm never too far away from stuff. I I like it too much and there's always something to do, so I don't know.
0: Well, there you go. Jacob's going <laughs> to work again. <laughs> So anyway, everybody, welcome to Craft and Draft, and that is Jacob Chastain, and I'm Pam Ochoa, and we are going to talk a little workshop. So what are we talking about today, Jacob?
1: Yeah, you know, we batted around some ideas as we do to try to figure out what we wanted to talk about, and you know, we have some questions. We're going to reserve the rest of our questions that we have for our bonus episodes, so if you're not a member of our Patreon, you go to Patreon.com slash craft and draft. Uh, and you can find that link at craftanddraftworkshop.com. It, a little easier just take you right to it. But we... We have our patrons over there and we like to, we always release a bonus episode every single month. Uh, You can also get to our listener plus tier where you can watch our tutorial video of the craft and draft system, but we have a bonus episode coming up and we wanted to answer some questions over there for them to make it really special and really kind of uh, give them the attention they deserve. We told them to be selfish with their questions, so there's a few over there. That are very specific, and we'll just spend some time, you know, going through those and uh, and, and having some fun answering those. But on this episode, uh, we're really going to dive into something that came up today, actually, in a conversation with you, myself, and our teaching partner, who we are trying to get on the podcast one of these days. So. Uh, it'll be a nice, uh, three-way conversation. That would be super fun. She's very shy and she's also kind of an introvert at times. So she is, it's not so easy to get her to go home and then jump on a podcast, but we're going to make it happen. Uh, one of these days, regardless, we were talking about how sometimes teachers tend to assign work. Where what is being graded really isn't the content. It's not the learning that's being graded. It's all the other stuff. It's the presentation. It's it's something kind of irrelevant to uh the actual learning. And I just I, I figured that would be a great conversation to kind of just chat about today, which is I feel like English, this happens a lot in English, especially. And I know I might ruffle some feathers with this, especially in the teachers' pay teachers climate that we live in. There are products out there that people sell that are very cute, and there's these ideas that are very creative. And then lo and behold, they aren't really standards based, and they kind of get you focusing all on the wrong thing. So that's kind of what we're gonna dive into today. Maybe talk about some uh, ways that we've done this ourselves and some ways we try to avoid it. But before we get to the conversation, I gotta tell you that this episode, is supported by our patrons over there at our Patreon, and they are the producers of this episode. We have Sarah, Amy, Mark, Leah, Brandy, and Alicia. They're over there supporting us just like you can. We me first in line for questions, get bonus episodes every single month, and get access to some PD videos as we hit more and more patrons. But welcome to Craft and Draft, ladies and gentlemen. All righty. Miss Ochoa. I'm still recovering. For anyone being super aware, I'm still recovering from our launch of Rightfully Empowered. My voice is a little hoarse. It was so hard, by the way, to do because we delayed recording because my voice was kind of gone on Saturday, which we usually record on. And Sunday night, I had to do my intro and outro for Teach Me Teacher And I had to like, I had to like dig into my chest, you know what I mean? To like really, (laughs) to, to, to kind of force my voice out because my register, uh, it just wasn't as wide as I'm used to. And it was really throwing me off. So uh, a lot of fun got, became really hoarse and everything else. But, uh, anyway, how's it going? Miss Ochoa, we, you asked me a question, but you know, we, we, I feel like we, we work together, but really we haven't had a lot to talk about in the last two days. We've been very busy. We're in tutorial land, which for longtime listeners of this show, uh, we talked about the tutorials that I was in last year and how often we did them. And now Ochoa is experiencing that because she's on the same campus and it is tiring, is it not, Miss Ochoa, the way we, we do it in our neck of the woods?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's the real deal, I think. <laughs> At least the kids are showing up.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have a different schedule than me, but you show up before school. Yeah, you do I did th- before school. Yeah, you do 30 minutes, and then mm-hmm. you do 30 minutes before school, and then you have your conference, and then your schedule. And then in the middle of the day, we have a 20- minute or so advisory that has now been converted into a second tutorial time. Mm -hmm. I'm doing the same schedule except mine's after school and in the middle. And I mean, it is, it doesn't sound like a lot, you know, adding essentially 40 more minutes, but I mean, it's essentially adding a whole nother period to your day.
0: Yeah, it is. And, you know, you have to remember what it was that you did and so right now we started our advisor or you know the advisory period we started those uh in the middle of the day a little bit later than we did the first ones and so i'm a little bit off on okay do i do what we've been doing all the way through or do i need to you know start now and do i need to go and make it up with the so anyway so there's some decisions there that i have to make and what's the best one and the kids are some of them there it's mandatory tutorials so they all have to be there when they're told and some of them are like but why and so I've spent some time explaining why they need it and but anyways for the most part I think it's really uh this the students seem to be really responsive and uh, they're doing the work they're doing the work so Uh, I'm excited about that part and they seem to be really engaged even in the morning the ones that are there they're always cooperative and once they understood what we were trying to do with the tutorials which most of these students they just need a little boost so they can make it to the next level so when I explained that to them they were like oh okay well I'm on board so that was I think I think when students know they're the purpose behind why something is happening, like mandatory tutorials. And, you know, they all want to be successful. So if you can tell them, well, it's because you're, you know, if you say, well, it's because you're a failure, well, then, you know, that's how they're feeling. So you got to put it in a way that's like, no, we're just trying to get you to the next level. And, you know, we know that you you were successful here. So if you just get to the next level, you know, I mean, you're going to have a lot more doors open for you, blah, blah, blah. And so they were all like, oh, okay. Yeah, okay, I can do that. And so... Uh, but we're doing it's pretty vocabulary heavy what we're doing mm-hmm. and uh, background uh, trying to give them as much background information as they can I think that's one of the areas that our students you know we have several um, students with secondary you know English is their secondary language and so it's not that they don't have background experiences it's that they don't have background experiences in English and so trying to get those that that vocabulary to them so they can express themselves or tie it to new meaning, uh, is really what I think I'm about anyway.
1: So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I think it's good to mention, you know, here is we, we kind of stress that, you know, we talk about our workshop and everything that we do. And, you know, I, I both, I think you and I both just try to, nail home the idea that you and I we do with the same things everyone else does, right? And right. you know, and we find our own ways of kind of dealing with them and and how we manage them and our team is just in a good spot to where we have a little bit more flexibility. But, you know, we still have to kind of prepare kids for a test and do all of these things. And I think we this system worked really well last year. Some our principal believes in, so it's what we do. But um, you know, I think we we handle it well enough i i think it it partitions itself pretty much because you know essentially our principal throws together these huge spreadsheets and it's like you know these people are two questions away from meets these questions are three questions away from masters or whatever and you know it just gives us a nice little goal data driven stuff it's very test focused it's very question focused it's very vocabulary focused but you know that is the name of the game currently in education so It's the world we have to live in. But I liked what you said. I think it's a nice uh, segue into our topic, which is you talked about doing – focusing on kind of what kids need and – That can be a variety of things. And one of the things that we've decided that our kids need is, you know, background information on a lot of stuff and vocabulary and tools to handle those things and, you know, how to fill in their knowledge when they don't have it. And that's what we're kind of assessing in these tutorials is we're assessing... How well they're able to use vocabulary in context and think about it and explore vocabulary and what what relationship does vocabulary have to test like questions and answer choices and everything. And th- that's a very targeted approach. Yet, still, and I've done this in the past, I've probably done it more recently than I would like to think. I was trying to think about it before we came on, and I can't really name one that I've done recently, but. Uh, you know, people make assignments to where the creativity maybe runs away, or maybe a desire to engage runs away from the teacher, and all of a sudden you have this conglomeration, this this uh, this Frankensteinian monster of, of of to some degree of a hodgepodge group of things that. When you get turn the lights on, it's horrifying to look at, and you start judging all of the wrong things about it. By the way, the Frankenstein uh <laughs> connection. I think you've been I reading just, that. Yeah, you? I just reread the novel for the first time <laughs> since uh, high school, so that just that was on my mind. But I think that it's a it's a it's at least somewhat of a, of a valid connection where it's this. You know, we we get so creative and we want to do all of these things, and we kind of get this mastermind mode, and then before you know it you have this project or this focus where your kids might be doing things, but what's being graded might not be something that is valid. And I feel like we've talked about this on the show in a smaller degree when we've talked about how when teachers get so focused on the strategy that it becomes about doing the strategy, not about consuming the content. Uh, so for you though, this, this idea of something running away where you start grading things that don't really matter. How, how does this usually crop up in ELA? How have you seen this as a coach, uh, where you've been over all the departments or English or whatever? What are some of the, what's something common to give our listeners a concrete example of what we're talking about?
0: Well, one that comes to mind and it's an old, way of doing it, but teaching grammar where um they have to parse those sentences, uh, maybe diagram the sentences as well. And sometimes uh I've been known and have done and experiment experienced where the whole entire lesson ends up being where do you place the prepositional phrase? on the line and do you have to have a line that goes under it or does the line go out you know through the other line or does it have a di- so the whole entire uh lesson becomes about the diagram and a lot of the students will get lost and not even know you know recognize the sentence and so it all becomes about where to draw your lines and not necessarily about the sentence structure uh I think it's good once the students understand the sentence structure, but you almost have to. To me, that I've seen that happen where, where it just becomes about the diagramming, not necessarily about the sentence. So yeah. that's one example that comes up that that I'm thinking of. There's others, but that's one.
1: Yeah, I mean there is. I mean you can easily think of like projects, right? To where mm-hmm. I shared this example with y'all today, but I have this you know horrifying experience in high school where I had this science teacher who uh, we had to present this content. I don't even remember what the content was, but we had to present this content on a poster board or whatever. And mine was really ugly, but the content was there. I had all of the necessary stuff, you know, maybe it wasn't perfect, but I had it on there. But she ended up failing me because of this project, and I had to redo it to pass the six weeks. And you know, I went all out. I put glitter on it, and I was just like really obnoxious with everything. And uh, lo and behold, she was so excited that it was pretty and everything. You know, and as a kid, I just thought she was kind of dumb, and I was annoyed by it. As an adult, I'm like, you know what? What does that have to do with anything? Who cares uh, what it looks like if the if the content is there? And I feel like this is this is a tricky uh, way for teachers to think, because in writing, you know, we are very concerned with how sentences look right. We're very concerned with proper use of grammar, proper use of everything else. And rightfully so those things are very important, but I feel like, I feel like sometimes this gets away from us to where even if we're looking at papers, it's the, it's the idea of what is, what is the meaning of what a student's saying. It might be the, the most wild looking paper on the planet, but is there meaning there? Is there focus there? Is there ideas there? Um, why is it, why is it, why do you think we, we get so distracted either by all of this creativity or, or why, why do we, why do we let things that aren't the content, so to speak, uh, drive us away from, from those things? What is it about them? Is it, is it uh, the flashiness of it? Is it the creativity of it? Is, is it just kind of immaturity and lesson or assignment design? What do you think it is?
0: Well, I think it may be assignment design probably. And then uh, probably the flashy. I like it when things look cool. You know, I used to have the students create all these fantastic maps. And I still probably would today because I like the way they look. <laughs> But really all they could do is just hand out a you know, identify where the things are. It was not all about the coloring, but boy, I had some good kids that could really color those maps and I encouraged it. I think it was more about the color and not necessarily about the location. But for the most part, I think, I think uh, it has to do with uh, the design. I think you really have to stay close to what your standards are, you know? And so the uh, the fact that we're doing this conversation, you know, right now we're finishing up research, right? So I think my products are going to be a little bit different than yours. And so this is where we're differing. So while we were having that conversation, I was thinking, am I doing this? <laughs> and so I've been looking up our standards, you know, just to double check it, because I, I am a providing choice, which I agree with that, but I'm trying to move away from just the essay only, you know, or something like that right. for their research. Well, our standard Uh, one of the standards is use an appropriate mode of delivery, whether written, oral, or multimodal, to present results. So mine is definitely mode of delivery. Uh, The students get to choose their delivery based on what it is they want to say. So I think that might help it be appropriate. Uh, And I'm okay with written and they can do oral and they can uh, do a variety. I have some right now that are, Um, I have one that's doing a website, and then they're going to actually talk about their website. So that's going to be multimodal, I believe. Uh, But the students are, I gave them some criteria, and the criteria is it needs to show that uh, what their, their research topic that they've chosen, and they got to choose their research topic. I have not influenced them. So they, they actually got to choose whatever with the little brainstorming session that we did, and they chose their own. Uh, so I have anywhere from a video games to uh, marine biology to how to create a business plan because one of my students wants to be an entrepreneur. And so she wants, so she's learning how to create a business plan. So her, her actual final product, they decided they had to decide their final product today, what they were going to work towards. And they had to look at their research, look at what their angle is, but it had to be transformational in some way, or it had to have an impact or change your life or somebody else's life kind of thing this you know what was what's the importance or significance of your topic and so what she's going to do according to what she told me today uh she's she's looking at all these business models and so she is learning like the four different types of of business models the different types of businesses that are out there and so she's going to create a kind of a business portfolio to talk, and that's her choosing that, you know. So I, I put up a few as examples, and then I said, "Now you can uh, combine those, use them, or whatever." So, uh, so, but I am in danger because there is a balance here that it becomes only about doing that business portfolio or only about their little product that they're going to do, and it might take up a lot of my class time. So I have to really balance. Is this really? an appropriate mode of delivery and so i think maybe that's something i need to add to them so they don't spend all their time uh you know the assi- being making sure that the assignment looks pretty versus um appropriate
1: delivery. So, I I
0: don't know if I'm I'm uh, stepping on the edge of this cliff or not. So, well, it, what do you think?
1: Well, it brings an interesting question that I kind of wanted to ask you which was you're you're really good at, you know, having a variety of ways you let kids kind of experiment with stuff and I think it probably I think you did it before you were an academic coach, but I think a, a lot of it has to do with doing that is because you kind of you know, you had different uh, tools that Uh, were available. And, you know, we've told the story about the, when we were both coaches where, you know, I had that student who wouldn't write anything and he came into, what was that room called? Oh, the, uh, our makerspace? Yeah, the makerspace. I don't know why. I, I for some reason I thought yeah. it was called something else.
0: <laughs> well, I was in charge of the makerspace at that time. Yeah. They put me in charge of it. So. Well,
1: because it was an actual room, right? A lot of the times yeah, they it combine it classroom. with the library, right? And, and a lot of schools, yeah. and that's I. That's why in my head I was like, "What do we call it?" Yeah, but the makerspace. But well, there was a lot of cool stuff in there. But you had like this broken typewriter, mm-hmm. and you know, you let we had this idea together is that he wanted to really mess with it and stuff. And I started encouraging him to write about it in class. And, you know, we kind of had, uh, this, this yeah. wonderful little experiment, but, um, we've, you've always encouraged. like you've had kids put together and literally bind, you know, like these poetry books together that you've done. You did that this year. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you've always kind of experimented with that stuff. So like, I mean, in a typical grading, like thing like this, because it's not that, uh, I don't want people to get the wrong impression that it's like, none of this should exist. I think it's the balance of how much does the actual creation weigh, uh, into grading. So like, for instance, like your, your poetry collections, like how much of the the presentation was really a part of, uh, of their grade.
0: Uh, the poems were more of their grade. So, did they actually do the writing of the poems? Did they uh, use our mini lessons? Did they follow the standards uh, within their poems? So, I made I made content. Usually, content is the highest uh, part, and then the other stuff comes in there. Uh, I don't I don't typically make the way it looks the better grade, but yeah. I am known I am known to say. Well, I just don't think this <laughs> is Heinemann quality. <laughs> let's take it back. You know, like when I did, when I taught geography, I would go, well, I don't think this is National Geographic standard. So let's go back and do it again. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not very nice. <laughs> I make them do it until I'm happy with it.
1: <laughs> well, and here's the thing I do, because there's a part of, like in writing, for instance, Um, I have in my graph that we've kind of used in craft and draft, but I, I also show a version of it in rightfully empowered, which is the. I have this kind of self-evaluation thing where it's uh, genre conventions. Does it look like what you're trying to do, right? So if you're trying sure. to create um, an infographic, does it look like an infographic, right? Are you, if you're right. if you're creating a PowerPoint, does it look like that? If you're creating a video, does it look like what videos of the of that type look? If you're trying to write a poem, does it look like a poem? If you're writing a story, does it look like a story? Like, I think those are valid. Parts to this uh, that are interesting, but one of our coworkers, she brought up a really interesting example, which I think is um, something that is very important to point out and and kind of maybe a, a different way to look at this. Is she was talking about one of her kids had this book project that they had to do. They had to read a book, and it was like this big book report, and there was like a packet involved, blah, yada, yada. But then they had to write tons of information on a T-shirt. And that was the major part of the grade, was writing this stuff on a T-shirt. And she was just like, why? Like, you know, why is this why? the major part? You know, why is it the the fundamental thing? And I think that's that's the catch that we have to watch ourselves in, is are we assessing learning, are we assessing content, or are we assessing some creative idea uh, that? We just had, or some idea that we saw on Instagram or Facebook or TikTok or Teachers Pay Teachers, and we were like, Yes, let's do it. Um, it's that I, I that's the it, I think that's just kind of the world we live in because we kind of want these. It's it's almost like the same reason I don't like, uh, all of these computer program programs all the time, because yeah, they're fun and they're flashy and stuff, but you know, is Kahoot really assessing who knows the content or not? Uh, not really. It's, it's assessing who's fastest at clicking a button, right? Uh, well,
0: yeah, because we played look at the other day and you challenged me with the students and the students won. And why did they win? Because I didn't know how to manipulate the game. Right. But I knew all the material probably way better than they did.
1: <laughs> probably.
0: But they got more feelings. <laughs> what do you mean probably? Just because they were your smartest kids.
1: <laughs> but, I mean, that that's a good example, though, right? And so yeah. we... I think sometimes we just, just, I think it's just the nature of education is that we overvalue some of these things and we kind of get lost in the minutia of stuff. I remember when like Mm -hmm. as a creative person, as a first year teacher, I would come up with these ideas. Right. And I'd be like, yes. And I would, I would, I would bring up, you know, how like just this, this really intricate thing. I was like, Oh, it's going to be about this. It's going to be about this. It's going to be about this. And my academic coach, as awesome as he was, is he would sit with me and he goes, "Okay, what's your standard?"
0: <laughs> he all would, right. That's that's And he would right.
1: always he would always point me back to home base um, and really force me to analyze. You know, if if the standard's saying analyze, then kids should be analyzing. If the if the standard saying, uh, I don't know, inferred, then they should be inferring. If the standard is saying, uh, whatever, what's what's some more verbs that our standards throw at us, describe, identify, identify, describe, right? All of those things. Examine. Examine. That's the one I was trying to think of. Um, then that's what they <laughs> need to be doing. And that's what you should be assessing if those are the standards that you're using, right? And so now we do have some standards that do with deal with presentation, right? We do have some of those that exist and there's some in Common Core and whatnot, and those are fine. Uh, it's just, I think it just comes down to really focusing on what is it that kids are learning? How are you going to know that they learned it? Um, And another example is students, for instance, like maybe being punished in a grade if they didn't do something specific, but what they didn't do that was specific really has nothing to do with their learning, right? Like I had a Uh, Another, why is this always science? I had another science teacher who we had to document uh, a moldy bread, right? That was something that we had to kind of watch the process. And I was supposed to take pictures of it. And I didn't uh, for whatever reason. And I ended up printing off pictures of mold. Um, And this... What i I ended up not I got like half points because it was a part of like the documentation documentation process. and i I suppose that there is a scientific idea to where, you know, actual observing and taking pictures of something, or whatever that might be an argument that people could make. and maybe in English, we could make the argument of, you know, the colorful presentation is valuable to a certain degree, but, I I I find it hard to like when we're talking about grades specifically, and we're talking about projects and whatnot. I find it hard to justify punishing a student grade-wise because of certain just requirements that really have nothing to do with um, their learning, so to speak. But I don't know. Well,
0: my first year to teach, I actually taught Texas history. That was my very first year. I taught it in the middle of the year. I came in in January. That's weird that
1: you and I started in social studies.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, that's, I have, that's one of my, I have, a, I guess what it is, a major. So I have a double major, one in English and one in social studies or history. So. So that's what I you know, got a job for because somebody, I guess, had a baby or they moved or something. So they were in the middle of this project, and we were at the Alamo and all that stuff or some kind of Texas history project. They had to create a project. This little boy, I'll never forget it. And I can't right now tell you for the life of me the name of this, this boy, but I do remember the look on his face, and I will never, ever. I think this is what molded me about... My philosophy melded my philosophy about projects. And this child created the worst-looking Alamo. I don't even know if it even looked like an Alamo exactly, but it was a terrible Alamo. <laughs> but you could tell he had put time in it. It's not like he didn't put time in it. He just, you know, it's kind of like when you're trying to make your glue stick and and your sticks just keep falling, you know, to the point, you know, because you don't really know how to do it and you know this little 7th grader he's trying to figure it out the but then i had this other kid and uh she came in with this beautiful i mean it, it almost looked like a dollhouse alamo it was just it was gorgeous right basswood it looked great well i gave that kid a d the one that didn't do, didn't look good of course the one who looked good got got an a and then All of a sudden, the little boy realized, I mean, I don't know what it was, but he just was devastated. And I'm like, what's wrong? And he goes, I worked like hours on that. And I mean, he did the work. So here's the thing. I graded the parent's work. The parent gave her, it was a parent that did that, come to find out. But this boy, his parents were like, nope, you're going to learn how to do it on your own. Which one was more valuable? the one that didn't look so good. But guess what I did? I graded it just like, I mean, I was a brand new teacher. So of course you grade the one that looks better. But in this case, I actually gave credit to the parent. The parent made the grade. I did go back in and rethink it. I talked to some of my um, mentors at the time because I was just 22 years old. I was a little big kid. So, but I talked to some of my mentors and they were, talk to me through, you know, it's okay to go ahead and change that grade and give him the credit. Why don't you talk to him and ask him about his process and then grade him on his process, not necessarily on his product. And I thought, okay. And I think that's what kind of gave me my philosophy about about that. So is the content and the process more important or is it the final product that's more important? And yes, they need to learn how to do certain things, but does it overtake what they 've learned? I mean, so you really got to dig deep even if it 's a if it 's a um, i guess a an interview if you will, or a conference, and find out what they learned from this process. Some kind of reflection needs to happen when you 're doing something like this
1: well there 's also um, <clears throat> I think this connects directly to kind of the philosophy of craft and draft where Everything we do in those journals, from the mini lesson on the right to the reflections on the left in the craft book to uh, the TOC and how we set it up to the draft book and the numbered pages and then putting those numbers on their drafts to show where they came from and to show all the work that they did and being able to trace it back – all of that exists to honor the process, right, and to teach mm-hmm. kids that this, that the process is is really in our class, um, and in workshop. I think in general is the holy grail of what workshop is. You know, final products are great. I love bragging about my students' pieces. I put them on Instagram. I put them on my walls. I love honoring the work that they did. I I deeply care about final products. Final products are awesome. But the learning is happening in the process. The part that I should care about the most as a teacher is the process. This is the same for like testing, where we get so caught up in summative tests and stuff like that. You're test really shouldn't tell you anything that you don't know, right? Kids have bad testing days. And we know that as teachers, because it happens to us all the time. Um, and, And data can be weird. But your summative test is it's a it's an autopsy, right? It's what's already happened. It's you need you need checkups before that. And that's what the conferences are. That's what continuous conferences are. That's what uh, using your data in your conferences and exit tickets and everything else to form what you're going to do in your lesson. That's what all of that is about. And I think that for me, especially as a younger teacher, um, and I think for just a lot of teachers who've uh, maybe never even thought about expanding this, or maybe are just brought up in a system where it's not even questioned, is we teach to kind of just give out the information and then we take an autopsy. Where are we at when we're dead? Right when the when we're when we're <laughs> done doing it, uh, and I think that is that's an interesting perspective to kind of shift away from, which is how do I honor the learning that is happening in my classroom day to day, week to week to where I can accurately, not only accurately judge where they are so I can create better lessons uh, the next day, but how do I do this in a way that? Uh, accurately represents what they're doing, um, especially in a grading format, right? And I think this is where the conversation comes from. This is where you start seeing the limitations of number grades. Um, We've talked about this on the podcast before too, but it's the whole idea of, you know, if the If a kid can crap out a decent draft in a day and another kid has to work two weeks on it um, and it's actually worse at the end of the day than that one that was done in a day, do they both deserve 90s? Um, How do you quantify that, right? And I think that's where the standards-based grading comes from and all of that. But I think it also comes from learning how to quantify and kind of... Uh, bring in some of that those anecdotal evidence. This is what I, I beat this drum in uh, in rightfully Empowered too, which is we we have a system that's obsessed with uh, quantitative data but qualitative data is extremely important in the workshop. It's extremely important to bring everything together and really assess where you go from and I think that's I think that's the challenge I think that this we might be honing in on at least a why behind this is. You know, it's easy to kind of quantify. You know, do you have the the three dots in the right place on your poster board? Right? It's easy to judge uh, things that you can eat that you can easily put numbers to in a rubric. Right? You just count. You go do do do. Nope, they didn't do it. It's wrong. It has five colors on it. Yes, that's correct. You know what I mean? It has glitter on it. Awesome. Check off. Uh, but it's really hard to. Uh, to quantify effort and to quantify time and to quantify uh quantify time spent right and and quality time, you can quantify time because time is numbers but <laughs> but uh you know I think the, I think the the new the more nuance you get into trying to figure out the type of work students are doing, I think that is where you start getting into this gray area that quite frankly the school system isn't well equipped for
0: mm-hmm. Well, I think um, one of the best ways to do this, of course, is using a rubric. But something that I have try- done in the past, especially when I taught GT students where I had like whole classes of, of gifted kids, um, in my rubric, when I had like a project like what I'm doing right now, uh, I would have that rubric and it would have like what you're talking about. The do you ha- Did you use the five colors? Did you do the, you know, whatever it was. But just to do the bare minimum, you can make a 95. You had to wow me. And so I put in there wow factor. And that's where you did the little extra, you know, glitter that you're talking about. The little extra that. So that, that was worth a five five more points if you chose to do that. But you weren't going to fail because you didn't. So I've done something like that before. Uh, so, because I wanted the my GT students, I wanted them to stretch themselves. So I put like a, a little number up there. Uh, so if you wanted the one hundred, you had to wow me, had to do something creative. But then that was part of my goal for my GT kids was to stretch their creativity, stretch them beyond what they typically do. And so uh, I felt like that was very successful, but that's one way of trying to get the little extra if you want it, but you don't put everything in on that because you're right. They can meet the bare minimum and get that 100, but then what do you do about the student that did do the extra little extra effort and it was the student that did it you know what do you do with that and so I like to sometimes keep a little space in there uh in my rubric to kind of address it so I've done that and that seems to be pretty successful um but yeah I agree as far as like uh qualitative you know if you if you can mark the process along the way and then you have that self-reflective piece and then that little interview process or that little conference. I think you do this when your students turn in their published pieces. Is that not true? That you actually have a form for them to fill out and then they um, they reflect on it. What did you learn? What are you going to do next time? What, what did you like about what you did this time? Uh, how long did you work on it? What was your Uh, process what were the materials that you had to use you know if you're doing a project uh, how did you go about getting those materials i have a student um, we were talking about her end product and she's getting all excited because she's going on vacation and her parents have saved up money for them to go to california and go up and down southern california it sounds like but they're going to have a she wants to be a marine biologist so she wants to find pictures and stuff like that, and uh she's choosing to do a website and so what she wants to do is they're gonna go snorkeling or go scuba diving. I don't know which one it is, but they're gonna be under the water, and so she's like, "Can I take pictures in the water include that in a part of my project you know and so she's thinking that she could use those as as evidence of some of the things she's discovered about marine biology, what they do, etc. And then they're going to go somewhere. And she thought maybe if she could find somebody who works with marine life, then maybe she could interview them. So this is her asking me if it's okay if she does these things. So uh, And she's thinking her best delivery would be a uh, that website you know, where she can, and she's already got it all figured out. She just doesn't have the material in it. She's even got her pages, how they're going to set up. She's got her background. And she did all that today because opening it up for her to choose her product, now she's like all invested. And then letting them decide how they want to go about it, when they want to go about it. And they're asking me, you know, can I do this? Can I do that? And they're starting to see, especially my honors classes, They're starting to see all these possibilities. I have somebody right now; they are using, they're studying cars, and they're actually creating a uh, scratch game and things like that, where they're using coding and they're they're creating some sort of game with cars and a race car and all that to go along with their presentation. So they're actually they were back there coding today. So I didn't say that they had to code. Code is not a part of my. Uh, curriculum but opening it up allows them to definitely explore and uh, it's just really kind of fascinating because now guess what they're doing they're now doing more research which is what my whole goal was to prove and real authentic research to prove uh, what it is they want to do so it was kind of neat to watch the energy get all excited today uh, when they realized they could choose their own product it was kind of cool
1: See, and I think this is, this is a perfect way to kind of wrap up this, but I think you just hit on the magic of what we're trying to, to do, which, you know, sometimes we're very successful and sometimes we're not, but it's the, I mean, it's the, it's sometimes the workshop not. idea of if you set up your parameters in such a way that inspires students to go about their interest then they can explore those things naturally, right? But if you walk in and say, you have to do this, it has to have this many things, it has to have this, it has to have this, it has to have this, it has five pictures, all of that, now you're putting so many limitations on them that it becomes more about doing the project correctly, more about the learning, right? But for you and your research, it was much more about, you know, you have your your whatever parameters you put there, but you made them wide enough to where now you have kids diving down coding rabbit holes and wanting to incorporate a vacation into that, and I think that is that's the sweet spot of what the difference between workshop and just doing a project for someone, right? Because we've walked into classrooms. We're like, oh yeah, I do workshop. And really all they're doing is following a step-by-step to some project that the teacher assigned, right? There, right. It's, it's a subtle difference, but I think it's, you know, it took us 47 minutes to get there, but I think we kind of, <laughs> we kind of, this is why we do these podcasts, but we landed on the, the kind of the crux of this whole conversation, which is, you know, are we setting up classrooms? To allow for that level of differentiation, to allow for that creativity to blossom without too many controls? Or are we strangling it so much in the hopes of being quote unquote engaging, right? You know, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna let them use pictures and they use poster boards and they have all of this stuff. You know, all of that might be fine, but it might be more limiting than you really think it is. When in reality, all you need to say is, here's your playground go forth. Right. And, and see what happens. You know, it's scary because sometimes it doesn't work. Right. You're, uh, (laughs) I've had, I've done it millions of times. I've done like where like kids have, uh, to study drama. I wanted them to kind of create, uh, A set, so to speak, of their own, like either something they created or like maybe their bedroom or whatever. It was atrocious. It was like the worst thing. I barely had any guidelines on it, but I hated that assignment. I was like, oh my God. We just like finished it and I just like forgot it. It was a few years ago and I was just like, I hate this. I've never done it again. I've never even thought about it again until this podcast. And you know, those things. Exist, uh, and we've all done them. But I think this is something that we can reflect on. Though is is looking at our classroom, looking at what's around it, the parameters we're putting kids in, and going, is this free enough to where they stay focused, but they still have this freedom? Or am I strangling freedom in the hopes of providing engagement? I don't know. I think that's a that's a nice little pin. Do you have anything to add to that?
0: Well. Not really. I do have. A, I did have one more thought, uh-huh. but I don't want to end it. But I did have some students say, "Oh, I'm already finished with my pro. I've already mm. finished with my project." And I'm like, "Oh, I haven't even assigned the product yet. So <laughs> what are what are you talking about?" And they go, "Well, I've written my little uh, three three paragraph essay. Is that what you want?" And I'm like, uh, "No, this is not that kind of project." So I think sometimes we do limit them so much so that. They stay there. And so it's really hard to get them out of it.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that was nice. A little addition to the pen. But thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This has been the Craft and Draft podcast. You hear that. I can't go up as high still. My voice, I cannot make it as high-pitched. Everyone's probably very thankful for that. But this is Craft the Draft. That's Pam Wichel. I'm Jacob and Two English teachers down here in the state of Texas doing our best to create engaging workshops where students write freely, read freely, and learn along the way. We release a podcast every single Friday. Stick around. Subscribe so you don't miss anything. Rate this podcast if you haven't already. Hit the that star, but we've been on like 25 stars. What feels like forever hit the star button. If you're new here and I see you, I see the numbers you're new. There's a, there, you're listening to this right now you're new i need you to hit that star button it really does help the podcast believe it or not uh and i want to say thank you to our patreon supporters you can support us on patreon at craft and draft or i'm sorry patreon.com slash craft you can find that link at craft and but thank you to sarah amy mark leop randy and alicia for being our patreon producers If you go over there and do that yourself, you can be a listener and get a bonus episode every single month. You can also be a listener plus where you get bonus content, including our craft and draft demo. So if you're curious about craft and draft, how to do these journals, what they look like and what the heck we're talking about, you can be over there and get access to those videos. But in the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, know that we are here for you.